You're listening to Glee on the Rocks. Hello, welcome back to Glee on the Rocks, a fandom on the rocks podcast. I am Emily. And I'm Allison. And this is uh, season four, episode 20, Lights Out. Uh, Yes, Allison is back with us for another guest appearance on the podcast. Welcome back, Allison. It's so nice to be on the main, on the main feed. Uh, (laughs) On the main on the, on the main grid. Um, for those of you who do not remember me, uh, hello, my name is Allison, a uh, longtime sufferer of glee, <laughs> first-time caller. Um, not a first-time and, caller. Well, I'm a first-time caller on the main grid on Glee on the Rocks. Oh, um, sure. Okay. Uh, so I did a mini episode, which was definitely a maxi episode, um, <laughs> on That's My Ship. I did Steric, uh, and uh, it was a it was a grand old time of of talking about fandom and fic and the things that bring us all together, which unfortunately is also Glee. It's also definitely Glee. Um, and it's been a long time since I put my Glee hat on, but boy, was it an experience. Mm-hmm. Had you watched any Glee since the original time through it? Or was this like your first revisit to to Glee Town? I so I started a rewatch back in like 2017, 2018. I think I was like recently in New York and I was like, oh, I wonder I should probably watch some Glee. Um it might have been when y'all started the podcast. We're sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right. Not my first time, won't be my last. Um, but I don't think I actually got past the end of season three in the rewatch. Okay. Um, this is the first time in, I think, since the since when since the episode actually debuted that I'd seen this at least this far into season four. It's been okay. a while. It does feel like, and honestly, I don't have any data to back this up, but it it does feel like when people revisit Glee after the first time around, that the drop off occurs in the middle of season three. Yeah, middle of season three, middle of season, like, and beginning of season four. Like, I mm-hmm. vaguely remember Brody. Um, sure. And I remember rewatching Brody, but I just didn't, I don't think I got to the to the part where they like, spoiler alert, he has a job. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I made it there in the rewatch. Okay. I, I just don't. I just don't. I think maybe we need to poll the listeners of when they, if they did a rewatch, when did they drop off? Absolutely. Are there are there comfort note. episodes you go back to? Where are they? I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a note because you know I don't remember anything that we say in these episodes. A girl's gotta know. Get okay. the data. Get the, get the data. Start a, a tracker of when people stop rewatching and why. And and I don't want to blame the newbies because I think no. we've said before as we're rewatching this without our clang gog mm, with the clang goggles slightly off with the clang goggles loosened <laughs> loosened. Um, the newbies are not so bad, and I do want to apologize for our 2013 brains being quite so harsh on them the first time around. They're not so bad. Some of them are terrible. Um, I will agree to an extent. Um, yes. Only because this is the only episode that I have seen in a long time of season four. <laughs> Fair. Um, and this episode focused a lot on a newbie who I'm not a huge fan of. That is Um, entirely fair. But it did remind me of all the newbies that were on screen that I was like, oh, I want you to say more things, but Mm -hmm. you don't have plot lines in this episode. So rats. Yeah, this this was not a good episode if you wanted like a a, a well-rounded reintroduction to the first cast of of new. Well, this isn't even the first cast of newbies because we're missing like Joe. Um, 
the the leprechaun. Rory? Rory, thank you, whose name Rory? briefly escaped me. He, yeah, he has a name. I think it's Rory. Yes, it's Rory. Rory leprechaun. Um, Rory... Mm, mm, hmm. Max something. Rory something. It was very stereotypically Irish. I'm sure it was it. so stereotypically Irish that now I can't remember it. Um, it was something. Um, and then that's bad there for was... a Glee podcast to be like, what was that character's name? And then the Gerber baby. And the Gerber baby, who was incredibly talented. Oh yeah. Oh yes, she was she unbelievably was, talented. She was just a guest star because she wasn't part of the McKinley crew. No, she wasn't. But just I'm trying to gang all the like Glee Project kids mm-hmm. together. The Glee Project kids who have now won two Tonys. Yes. And the Glee cast has won. Well, Jenna Ushkowitz has won a Tony for producing. Cool. So, but for performing, the the Glee Project kids are up too. Did Leah Michelle ever win one for performing? No. And Darren won an Emmy. He has won an Emmy, a Golden Globe, and... I don't remember if he won a SAG award or not, but he has at I least know. won an Emmy and a Golden Globe. Yeah. But he has not won a Tony because he has not been eligible because he has done Revival. Oh, no, he at- was eligible for American Buffalo, but he did not get nominated. Fair. Um, and then did Chris Colfer ever make the New York Times bestseller list with his books? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, they're doing accolades, just not those specific accolades. Yes. They are uh, an acclaimed crew uh amber riley won a olivier cool. for dream girls um in london absolutely but not a tony yet i'm sure she will one day as soon as she decides that she wants to you know go on to broadway like heck yeah absolutely <laughs> no I, get off the reality shows and go back to broadway hello yeah go to broadway please 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 i'm not a fan of reality shows so like anytime she pops up on another masked performer show i'm like please stop i'm sure the money's good but like Broadway, and please. I am a fan of those silly reality shows. I just <laughs> don't. I, I'm very bad at watching them. I have to binge them. I have to like catch yeah. catch. I have to get sick. I have to like catch a cold, and then right. I'll stay in bed for two days and watch like ten episodes in a row. Now, um, if one of them wants to do on a cooking goes. show, <laughs> indeed, that's that's a little more your cup of tea. Great Glee Bake Off. A Glee no. Off. Glee, glee, uh, glee, off. Oh, that's great. No, that's, everything about this is cursed. Don't, don't bring this into the, don't, don't bring like this it. into the world. I don't like it. They'll have to sing and bake at the same time. La 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 la. They have to. No, I don't want to think about it. This is terrible. Uh, let's let's no hard pass. No. Thanks though. Hard hard no. Uh, I suppose we should think about this episode. We should. Which is lights out. The quick rundown is it's not even a quick rundown. The rundown is when the power goes out at McKinley High, Will and ooh, well, I just read this. It says Will and Finn. That's incorrect. Oh, Will that is incorrect. That is incorrect. Now, Will enlists the members of New Directions to unplug and perform acoustic numbers. Meanwhile, dear sweet precious angel, that's me. Isabel Wright asks Kurt to volunteer at the Vogue.com charity event. This episode premiered April 25th, 2013. Ten whole ass years ago. Was I even a person in 2013? I don't oh. remember. Uh, I mean... Were we, I was uh, probably then. I got into grad school in 2013. That there tracks. you go. So, yes. Did we move to LA in 2013? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Uh, sidebar, Alice and I used to live together in Los Angeles. And then again in New York. And then again in New York, which means um, we survived both LA and New York. 
Yeah, did it together as a team. <sighs> L.A. was weird. L.A. was weird. I'd do mm. it again, but with some serious changes. Yeah. We would live closer to the Froyo. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes! <laughs> that was just slightly too far to walk in the heat. It was, but I would live again in such a close proximity to Home Depot. Yes. There's... Oh, no, that's my Chicago apartment. I was going to say, now, now there's a Target, but that's my Chicago apartment. Now I have a fucking Target on the street. We met in Chicago, so I know I know the place she's yeah. talking about. Um, that would be mm. nice. Wouldn't that, that would be, nice? be nice? But yeah, we lived very close to a, a Home Depot, a Denny's. <laughs> we did. And uh, this this weird little Hawaiian chain restaurant. Hell that yeah. Had, that, that introduced me to Crab Rangoon. It was, it, it was incredible. God, that was good. Glee. Yeah, I mean, we could think about Glee, or I could think about that apartment. <laughs> I had a yellow kitchen, and the fire alarm turned on every single time we tried to cook something in the oven. It was a nightmare, and I loved what a it. Stupid layout. You know, now that I've lived in other apartments, I'm like, what a stupid fucking layout that was. It, it was pretty dumb, but it was real cute, and it we could cute. afford it. So, yeah, if you think about the rent now compared to other rents, you're like, whew, oh my God. Never should have moved. Seriously. <laughs> course the landlord was insane just a little just a little um glee which is slightly related to our apartment it is in fact slightly related to our apartment because when we lived in los angeles we lived on the like unpopular side of hollywood um so we were fairly close to all of the studios including paramount um Mm -hmm. and so we lived across the street from the high school where they filmed all of the football and courtyard scenes mm-hmm. for glee um, and for glee and uh we went once to this burger joint that we really liked that was a little too far to walk um, <laughs> Again, too far to walk a little too far to walk um and i do believe once we saw cord overstreet driving either to or from work yep i believe so uh yep. at that little burger joint and uh, right next to the burger joint was a parking lot where Paramount stored all their like big random vehicles, including mm-hmm. the, the bus for New York City for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you're, still, no. you're just trying to like go about your day and you walk by like, oh, yeah, there's the Glee bus. <laughs> there's the Glee bus. Like, how about that? Um, yeah. Yeah, because one time, one time we came home and the street was like blocked off for filming, and we're like, "What's well, filming here?" Mm-hmm. You get notices on your door that was like, "Your street is being used for filming." Like, okay, but what if I don't want it to be? You don't get a choice. You don't get a choice. It just happens to you. LA just yep. happens to you. It's like Mario Party. It just happens to you. <laughs> it really does. You're just like, oh, you can't drive down your own street right now because it is blocked by Paramount cool but it cool, did cool. give us the uh the the beatles blaine car- oh, yeah. courtyard intro that was what filmed that day yeah that's the uh got gotta get you into my life Is that, yeah that's the one that was the song yeah so that was kind of cool that was pretty cool we don't have anything to share about it other than that it was cool I, <laughs> yeah like I've... backstage drama it's just that it was fun it was, yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see that a thing that I would later see on television was filmed on my street. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, no drama. No drama. They're long days and uh, sometimes you can't pull into your own parking. True facts. 
but all yeah. right this episode we don't have any nothing nothing happened for this one because it was no. all soundstage well yes the cheerios but i don't think it mattered for us this day no a lot of this episode is broken into writer and his catfishing nonsense which is still going on like going nine on. years later um the glee club trying to rehearse for regionals and then santana i guess there's four santana um in the in new york and then isabel wright being the greatest character to exist correct uh do you want to start with the glee club sure writer like what do we want to get rid of first we'll start with writer um just because i forgot how much like time and daylight they spent on this storyline yeah my first note for this was oh yeah this is still happening this is still happening um my first note on it is in the very kind of opening where he is like desperately trying to figure out who it is in the glee club um he goes and asks kitty like hey let me see your texts and Mm -hmm. she responds with do i need to get a restraining order and i I'm watching this in my living room and shouted out, yes, you do. Apparently, because he is getting real aggressive about figuring out who this is. He like this character is getting super aggressive and it is not cute. He doesn't. I mean, it is 2013. He doesn't seem to have a friend who's like a white hat hacker who could figure this out for him. No, he does not. Which is too bad. Like he needs to go to the AV or the IT club in school and just be like, here's my phone. Find me the IP address. And the figure thing, this out. The thing that really shocked me, um, knowing kind of what we know about the catfish. Yep. Um, do they not like exchange phone numbers in Glee Club? Okay. The- <laughs> he, call- he calls the number and the phone rings. And that was in the last episode. It was in the recap. And I'm sitting here going yep. like, do you and not no have the phone up? number mm-hmm. of every single person in this room? Do you not? Do right. you not have that? <laughs> yeah. Because – for a minute, you're like, oh, it's just a different number. But the number rings in the Glee Club. Like, so it unless rings, yeah. the catfish is like, do you remember when, was it Google let you have multiple numbers on the same phone? Yeah, the Google, whatever that was. Google yes. Voice? Was it? That, yeah, um, that sounds VoIP, right. Voice over internet protocol? Yes. Um. So unless the catfish is savvy enough to be using two phone numbers on in, their phone in 2013 yeah i mean this I is something like my brother would do but i don't yeah. know that this person is doing that i'm not sure if this person is doing that um like if they are then like thumbs up gold star yeah I don't, I don't believe that this is on their their mind at this particular point um because i was really going deep into like hiding your identity true facts like why would they give this number out like I just I have so many questions, but that's neither here nor there. It kind um, of is though, because it really kind of eats into the credibility of all of this happening. It's I because like never once do so these characters exist in the same space at the same time sometimes, mm-hmm. but he so often is texting this person like on a computer, so the other person isn't in the room at the same time. But you never. <laughs> Is there never a moment where he's texting this person and the other person is texting back at the same like never? It's never caught? Like what I, yeah, I don't I don't know. There's never colloquialisms that they use that you're like, oh, that's how that person talks. I got it. Well, because later in the episode he talks about, you know, 
when he reveals his big trauma to the glee club Mm -hmm. it's like you know i was watching everyone to see if like you'd give it your face away and like yeah didn't it's like is that did you did you really just process some trauma to out a catfish like was that the main purpose of your of your emotional well-being right so you know we have this whole power outage thing and they're gonna go um acoustic slash unplugged and writer is gonna sing a song to uh, process his trauma and he says that he has a secret bigger than his dyslexia although points to the show remembering that he's dyslexic points to the Um, show good job writers which rarely we give points to but yeah he's gonna use this actually very intense painful secret yeah to out the catfish, who actually isn't at this point a catfish, it's it's a person that he thinks he is talking to. Yeah, he. We don't he, we don't know that it's a catfish. Yeah, he. We are we are being led to believe that it is a person who's not in the Glee Club. Yeah, um, but Ryder is convinced that it is a person and that they're mm-hmm. in the Glee Club. But she's a whole person named Katie. I just yeah. I have, yeah. I think half of this whole explanation can really be attributed to the fact that these kids are like 15, 16. Yeah. And that their brains are made of jello. And that this episode was written by Ryan Murphy. Deep sigh. Yeah. And and because we're talking about writer, his his secret is that he was molested by his babysitter when he was eleven, I think is yeah. what he said. And this uh him telling this to the glee club is treated by other men in the glee boys let's go boys let's go boys um like a joke and also something to be proud of because that he's got game as an 11 year old and i was like oh my god here's gonna be something else that they don't unpack in later episodes and an awful thing to tell someone (laughs) what an awful thing to tell someone and the girls are trying to kind of go around it in the best way they know how at the time mm-hmm. they're using all the tools that they have yep but they don't have a ton of tools um talking about like you know his truth is his truth and the way that he feels about it is the way that he feels about it and like you know he gets to process on his own time um as not bad someone, for 2013 not bad for 2013 as someone who has worked in education, I have a master's degree in education. I have been around students in a professional capacity for m- several moons now. Um, and I did a lot of work in this time period in like 2013, uh, 2015 on Title IX and sexual misconduct. The thing that stroke that striked me as just like the most bleh, um, was Will's response. Mm-hmm. Um Instead of coming at it with like a, thank you for sharing. How are you feeling? Let me know if you want to talk about it. Let me know. Like we should probably go like tell somebody and in like the softest way possible, be like, I'm actually a mandatory reporter and we should talk about this. Um, His immediate reaction is like, well, thanks for sharing. But like, you know, I have to report it. Yeah. It was like very dismissive. And that's really dismissive. And it just, it, like I, I get that they were trying, but it just it hit me. It hurt. It like yeah. it yikes. Because um, yeah, if I had ever, like- if I had ever done that to a kiddo, to a student, um, they would have immediately shut down and never spoken to me again. Definitely, it, it was very much like uh, thanks for giving me paperwork to do. Yeah, pretty much. Like oh, I'm I'm sorry, I was hurt as a child, but. <laughs> 
yeah, now yeah. you have some paperwork to do. Yeah. So sorry. And of course, so we we see the scene and Artie, Artie, no. Um, and Sam are like, dude, got game. Like, why are you embarrassed? That's so cool. Um, and so Ryder is trying to process this in the moment and, you know, he's trying his best, but he's not doing great. Mm-hmm. Um and the camera kind of, as he like dismisses everything, he's like, oh yeah, you guys are totally right. It was super cool. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. Um, just feeling all these like embarrassed thoughts and feelings. And, you know, I'm not, I'm making a big deal of it. A lot of the kind of dismissive thoughts that uh, victims tend to have that they often have. Um, and the camera kind of pans over to Kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Kitty making some like big eyed thoughts and feelings faces. Yes, we do. Um, she later goes out with Ryder to breadsticks. And I had a moment of like, is this a date? This better not be a date. Mm-hmm. But it's her chance to tell Ryder that she was also molested as a kid and that no one believed her either. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ended up being bullied so badly um, for her insistence that she was um, victimized that she ended up changing schools. Yep. So she had a point of of understanding with him that no one else offered. Um, and it was like it was a nice humanizing moment for her. It it really sucks that it had to be over something so traumatic. Yeah. Um, it, it it sucks in media and in fiction when trauma is the only way that writers find to be able to relate to characters, male or female. Yeah. Or in or non-binary. Um, Just anybody. Any person, Any person. Um, especially because Kitty comes across as so unlikable in so many ways, you know, the way she has treated um, Marley. And I I don't, you never want her treatment of Marley to be coming from this place of hurt and shame. Yeah. Um, because there's like two types of villains, right? There's the villains who start out because they've been hurt and there's the villains that, that are just uh, evil. And sometimes the villains that are evil are just, they're just more fun, right? They're just yeah. assholes. They're just mean. They're just mean. And like Sue Sylvester, right? <laughs> She's just mean. Yeah. Um, but that's more fun because you don't have to like dig into their psyche and be like, oh, now I feel bad for them. And they have, there. there is no journey of, mm-hmm. of reconciliation. It just like, she's a villain. And she's that's okay. Like she's, she's a fictional character. And yep. she is a villain. This is okay. Um, yep. But... And you can humanize people without hurting them like yes. this. But I think I think a lot of writers don't actually know how to do that. It's easier to do it this way. Yeah. Um, but Kitty kind of goes through this explanation of like what happened to her. And then she kind of, uh, in a very showing, not telling kind of way, where she's actually doing her own exposition um how that worked sorry my words are swirling around my head right now um how I mean, it moved... this is a difficult topic to try to <gasps> to discuss especially in a tv show so shallow as <laughs> and basically she's like so this is why i don't like anybody and why i mm-hmm. put on this huge like front um and it's why I try to, you know, I try to bring them in and, you know, because I'm working through some stuff and then I just smack them down. And like, it's, it's very much like a this bad thing happened to me. And so here in a 10 point 
slideshow. I'm going to describe to you how I made it my entire personality. Like this, the, uh, I was hurt before. And now if I just keep people away, they can't hurt me again. Cause that works. <laughs> it's totally a great way to live. It's a great way. Super great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we go, this is a, an episode big on, on trauma. Um, mm-hmm. but it does have some just like, I was, I, you know, I haven't seen these episodes in a long time and I'm sitting and watching these episodes and I'm starting to ask adult questions of the show. Ooh. I wasn't asking adult questions of the show Dangerous. when I watched it the first time, but yep. I'm starting to ask those questions now. So the power goes out. And my first thought is, huh, it's funny how all the lights are going off at different times. <laughs> and then, well, you, you know, know Principal Figgins is, is reading his excellent and hilarious cold call over the intercom system. Um <laughs> That and... your brains will remain in the on position and candles will be passed out based on grade point average. <laughs> but my second question, I'm like, watch it. Because there's a scene that's like, I think it's Jake and Ryder in the hallway. And they're talking about like, what's worse than your dyslexia? Um, but just the number of flashlights that the this school have. has. How do they have so many flashlights? Why do they have so many flashlights? Yeah. Where did they keep these flashlights? <laughs> I have so my, many questions. Uh... My first question was like, so obviously they're going home. What school is staying open when there's no power? And based on the number of like theatrical performances, they, this seems like a thing that's happening for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. It is It is over the course of one day. But yeah, they uh, they really make use of their time today. Wow. They don't seem to go to other classes. They just no! seem to stick around performing. They're just sticking around and performing. That's just all they're doing because it seems yeah. like it's taking place over a couple of days. And if it's just one big day, like, mm-hmm. yeah, they really Ms- didn't do anything else that day. No, Mr. Mister Shu is like, he's been scouting the competition for regionals. And now he's worried about uh, another powerhouse singer for the Hoosier Daddies. Nice. And so they they have... In the, in the previous episode, they were given the theme for regionals, which is, uh, shit, what is it? Dreams. The theme for regionals is dreams. But now that he's seen this, like, powerhouse singer for the Hoosier Daddies, he's like, we need epic songs. Like, no, you need to follow the theme, but okay. But okay. And then, then the lights go out, and now he's like, oh, it's unplugged week. Like, shouldn't I thought you picked songs last week? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you just going around changing songs every goddamn week? Um, but to follow this unplugged thing, Sam just up and performs. You've lost that loving feeling. Yeah, he does. So there's like song number one that he just happens to have on tap. Surprise. Yeah, he's just he's just into it, which is fine. It sounds lovely. Yeah, it's perfectly it's lovely. And everyone starts doing like little harmonies and it's just, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. Um, I don't know at what time in the day the lights go out because I think we established that the Glee Club is a class, right? Or did we, oh fuck, now I can't remember if we established that Glee was a class or an after school club. In theory, I imagine it would be both. But <sighs> okay, I, it's got to be know. a class. Because the lights go out and people are still in school and they're in a class. It's got to be a class. It's got to be a class. Okay. 
But then, then yeah, they then... leave that class because they go yeah. into the hallway with their flashlights. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I th- then they go back to Glee and they start singing all night. Like, I just. I know. I know. And then <laughs> and Artie is a little bitch about it because he's like, he can't perform. He can't perform without his synth. And then he just face plants directly on the piano keys. And I that seems like so proud. <laughs> Commit to the bit, sir. Yeah. Commit to the bit. And then out of nowhere, yet again, the writers remember something. They remember that Sam has grown up and is growing up poor. Yes, I loved that. And I really liked that they remembered his yeah. actual poverty where he had to like leave his house and get a job at 16, which was stripping. Yeah, but, as a stripper, yeah. Yeah, and that he was like, we don't need all these things. I grew up without these things, and I still don't have these things, and you need to buck up and just deal with it. And I was like, you go. Yeah. It did you go, Coco. Just in the in the way that it was written, it felt a little out of nowhere, but I was sure. like, oh, no, no, Sam, Sam, <laughs> these are things that Sam knows and understands. Like, he's good. He's cool. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. And anytime the show remembers that they already did something, I'm like... Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. Someone was paying attention. Well, it was Ryan Murphy, so maybe <laughs> maybe he actually read the notes for once. Someone was paying attention. I'm not going to credit anybody in particular because I don't. I wasn't there, but somebody was paying attention. Yes. Yep. Um. So, so yeah. Silly. Basically, Ryder is still focused on his catfish. Uh, Everyone, well, not everyone, but Jake and Kitty both kind of accuse him of being a silly goose, being like, you're mm-hmm. telling your deep, dark secrets to a stranger on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, questionable choices. However, as people who have grown up on the internet, sometimes it is much easier to tell strangers on the internet deep, dark secrets than it is your friends. Correct. Because strangers on the internet feel... Like, they won't judge you because you don't have to look them in the eyes and you don't have to wait for their judgment and the look of disappointment that they may or may not give you. Yeah. They're like anonymous little robots out there. Like a Tumblr post. You can just say like, hey, I feel like shit today. And you just hit hit tumblrpost.com.send and it's fine. And you don't have to wait for your friends to be like, you seem weird today. Like, shut up, I'm fine. Shut up, I'm fine. Yeah. And it... Looking at it and kind of looking at what I know now and his, the way he moves through this storyline, he has created what so many of us have created, which is an internet friend, Mm -hmm. which is somebody who he has built an emotional relationship with based entirely on a digital communication on a digital platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And... For anyone who's made internet friends, they feel just like regular friends. Absolutely. They feel sometimes better than regular friends um, because they take a different level of effort. Yes. Um, And so when everything kind of comes into the light, he feels a lot of really strong feelings because the feelings he's feeling right now are real. And everyone around him is dismissing those feelings. Mm -hmm. They're like, that's just some like fake, stupid loser on the internet. And he's got to defend this, this friendship, this relationship that he's building. Um, 
even though he doesn't know what Katie looks like or, mm-hmm. you know, who she is. Like, they've built a relationship built on 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 trust. Yeah. It's too bad the end of this storyline isn't that Katie is a, a real friend and it isn't a... Uh... Uh, that it's not a catfish yeah it's too bad this doesn't become like a long-term internet friend to develop that kind of relationship that yeah exists or, for so many of us or even if it had if Ryder doesn't completely unspool right that too that would have also been really cool mm-hmm. would yep. have also been pretty cool there's a lot of different directions this could have gone in other than the one that I remember it going in. Yeah. I haven't, again, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember it going a certain way. Yeah. No bueno. No bueno. Um, but the rest of the Glee Club is doing rest of the Glee Club things. Uh, Artie's face palming on a piano. Um, I, yet again, made another audible sound when they were panning over the Glee Club and I saw Blaine. Yes. For reasons I forgot that Blaine was still in school. I thought that he was like a grown up and gone at this point. He was no, he's not. He's still a super senior. <laughs> still the superest of seniors. In his um, oversized bow ties in this his, episode. Just, his little green sweater vest. I had I just a lot of feelings. Like I think in my notes somewhere it's like, you know, season two Blaine is disappointed in season four Blaine. Oh yeah. His outfits in this episode are real babied. Yeah. In the end, he's wearing like the mustard pants and the sweater from season two. And I'm just like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But uh, so let's well, see. Speaking of Blaine. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Artie eventually comes back and puts together like the stomp performance of We Will Rock You. Yes. Which isn't it's not bad. No, it's fine. Um, It was, again, a funny cut. Because they go from, I think it's from Kitty talking to Ryder about her trauma mm-hmm. um, into like a smash cut of We Will Rock You. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like. Sometimes are real bad. I was like, oh, total whiplash. All mm-hmm. right. Well, Ryder kind of ends out with, I think he's in the library talking, uh, typing, talking to Kitty and, or uh, Katie and Kitty approaches kind of asking him if he wants to go to Subway because it's time for her second $5 footlong. Yes. God, I miss a $5 footlong. I do too. They're like $8 now. And they're not even footlong. They're not. Uh, 11 inches. Like, come on, just give me the full bread. But Ryder blows her off for Katie. For Katie, yeah. And you can really kind of tell on on Kitty's face that she's pretty disappointed in that. And I just want to say, don't worry about it, Kitty. You're going to find someone better. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Do don't worry. not worry. But it is kind of, I, I don't want to, there's kind of this tone or this kind of like feeling that um, Ryder is blowing off a real person for a fake person. Right. Which I don't think is the right way to look at it because that's not what internet friendships and relationships are about. They are right. obviously but real. Definitely what the adults in 2013 <laughs> thought that internet friendships were. Totally. And I, as again, all of us have them. We all have internet friends. Well, I think people listening to podcasts have internet friends. True facts. Yeah. Um, 
but that is really i feel like that's the the intimation here in this moment that that writer is so obsessed with this like fake person that he's blowing off a real person yeah um but really kitty can just do better just the writer so she can go have that five dollar foot long all by herself and really be better for it indeed we also have sue sylvester before we get to new york maybe we do have sue and then coach Roz and becky because sue has returned in this episode sue has returned and uh that entire plot line comes with a very special blaine cameo it does which again i'm sitting in my living room i'm a grown-ass adult and i'm just like i remember the day this came on the internet hold on a second do too i also forgot how funny it was to see sue drink like a straight four scoop protein shake (laughs) yes and just throw it away (laughs) and that she's working at 23 hour fitness yes which Absolutely. is just the kind of like throwaway joke that Glee is actually very good at sometimes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, no, this is actually really funny. Yeah. However, the aerobic fitness scene with Call On Me playing, doing the video, like they're just recreating the Call On Me video in the like 80s aerobic outfits, full hip thrust. <laughs> so funny and so good. Incredible hilarious and And it was so unexpected too you're just like what is like this starts and you're just like there's like a an 80s synth track playing and a bunch of strangers like thrusting at the screen and blaine (laughs) yeah no it's it's they, they they pull into the story you know blaine kind of coming back to coach sue and saying hey some weird stuff's going on everybody misses you coach ross is out of control like we gotta have you back but there is a a part of me that wonders if blaine wasn't supposed to be in this scene and that darren was just like oh this looks fun can i join oh absolutely (laughs) like that's the vibe i get that that is the vibe that i receive from this particular (laughs) i feel like those short shorts were just his like he's been I going just, to Barry's boot camp long enough that he was like, no, no, I got this. I got this. It's fine. Um, it's a very LA thing to do. It just, yeah, it was very, very fun. Completely um, eye fucking that dude in the orange tank. Absolutely. Back and forth, baby. Back and forth. I remember that being like a big deal of like, yeah. how could he? <laughs> Easy. Like, aren't, they, aren't they broken up right now? <laughs> they are. But how could he? How could he? <laughs> this man this man fucked a lighthouse he has no standards (laughs) this is very true at least the guy in the orange tank has a face unlike and good aerobic stamina excellent aerobic stamina i remember the gifts that came out of this were like they they may violate tumblr's terms of service these days (laughs) correct those onesies those the women in those onesies were hardly covered yeah it was (laughs) just like oof that whole thing, I just, it was it was like this. It was that the season one, like Madonna fever dream. Yeah, the yeah, music yeah. video. That was the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally. was. It, we just stepped right inside of Sue's imagination, but instead mm-hmm. she was just running like the most beautiful and sexually frustrated aerobics class I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. The horniest fitness class. <laughs> the horniest fitness class. That is the phrase. It's like an equinox gone insane. It was. It was a 
the most attractive people hardly sweating during this thing. <laughs> Just gyrating and grinding the air. In neon. In neon. And I was like, they're hardly working out. And they're so fit already. They're Everyone's so thighs fit. are just like, boom. Oh, man. A good time. That was that was definitely like a little fandom throwback that this episode gave me. It was great. And it, <laughs> then I forgot that it actually had a plot point. That it did. It had a plot point. I thought, um, oh, is this just for us to enjoy? <laughs> and the plot point is, Coach Sue, we miss you. Come back. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and she Blaine basically says hard pass. Roz. Thanks, though. <laughs> I know. She's having a great time with Sue 90X. <laughs> Which, if you're not old enough, you don't even know what that is. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, It's CrossFit for old people. It's CrossFit for old people. My favorite part of this was she called herself an educatrix. <laughs> and I wrote that down and I was like, ah, yes, that's the Sue Sylvester I know. Yes. Yep. Yep. I like her. Oh, man, I miss Sue. I know she's, she's a terrible educator, but I like her. She's a great fictional villain. She's, <laughs> she's a terrible teacher. It. Uh, she's, yeah. Well, it's like, if you think about educators, and I think I, I think I texted this to you before we started, or yesterday, or whatever fucking day it is. Uh, Mr. Shu, I don't think, has ever actually taught the Glee Club how to perform or sing. You did. You texted this to me yesterday, and I watched this episode with that thought in my mind, and all he does is vague encouragement. Exactly. He stands up and claps. And I'm like, you can't give them mm-hmm. any ideas? Or yeah. are you going to be like a creative partner? Did you take notes? Yeah. Are you yeah. like any kind of director or vocal coach or mm-hmm. anything? Like maybe in – I'm trying to remember like in season one, I remember him like performing some moves for them to Yeah, copy. that they would walk through choreography. But if you actually think about like, and maybe this is where we need B. But oh yeah, has he ever give them given them like vocal coaching, or I do these kids just have to like go home and YouTube how to sing? I think so because I don't trying to dig into my pool of Glee knowledge. I don't know if any of them really, other than Rachel, have actively worked on mm-hmm. their singing. Yeah, because um, I don't know if did the did the warblers have a coach uh, uh no members of the warblers have no coach they are yeah. a self self-governed a self-governed body yeah so i think the only kind of vocal coach there ever could have been was sandy ryerson up in like <laughs> early season one because he was the, the director of the musical mm-hmm. and so there's at least something there that says maybe you could work with other members of the performing arts staff or something and then mm-hmm. sue of course is an incredible choreographer yeah yeah but yeah they and seem like, to have absolutely no vocal training of any kind i'm i'm sure it would be a boring show if we spent five minutes every episode with them like running scales or some shit but like maybe once in a while that might not be bad just that to might like not be so bad see them learn or like if we're supposed to feel like Mr. Shu is worth anything, I would like to see him teach because everyone's like, oh, what a great educator Mr. Shu is. And he's out there in Washington trying to save performing arts uh, education budgets and like, but he doesn't educate anybody. He doesn't, he doesn't like, educate on the performing arts. He's just the staff sponsor for the Glee Club. 
Like we've seen him teach more Spanish. Yes. We have seen him teach more Spanish. Like, uh, so, and I feel like we've seen coach Sylvester coach more Cheerios performances and practices than we've seen Mr. Shoe. And even uh, coach beast or coach Ken. Yeah. Doing coaching and football. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, hard pass, Will Schuster, hard pass. So, like, again, I'm sure the creators would be like, but it would be boring to watch them learn how to do something. Like, maybe, but wouldn't it give a fuller sense of Mr. Shu as a character if we actually saw him doing what he's supposed to do? And maybe I would care more? I don't know. Yes, I agree. I don't know. Because what we see is... um, Sue Sylvester going and spying on the Cheerios practice and you mm-hmm. kind of see in the background Coach Ra's not coaching in the same way. Mm-hmm. They have very different styles. Both of which are slightly abusive. A little. Yeah, just a smidgen. Just a smidgen. <laughs> Problematic. A smidgen. Um, but then in what is clearly a uh, an advertisement for... <laughs> Annie. Yes. Jane Lynch performs Little Girls from Annie, which um, really has absolutely nothing to do with Glee and everything to do with the fact that Jane Lynch made her Broadway debut as Miss Hannigan very shortly after this episode aired, which like to me, this is exactly maybe not exactly, but this is very much like Leah Michelle performing all the Barbara songs and all the funny girl songs. This yeah. is just like hey, did you know that Jane Lynch was going to be on Broadway in Annie? Here's her performing one of the songs in Glee. Like, all right, sure. And I mean, let's do that. For as much crap as we're going to talk about it right now, for me and you, it worked. Oh, yeah. So Alice and I then went to New York and watched Jane Lynch on Broadway in Annie. (laughs) (laughs) We did. We did. We have a we have pictures of it and everything. Um it we did the thing she was amazing it was a lovely time it was a lovely time um (laughs) but it was one of those things that i'm looking back at it now and i didn't remember that sue sings little girls no Um, i didn't either i didn't remember this at all but the timeline immediately in my brain became more well-rounded because i was like why did emily and i go to new york anyway (laughs) oh yeah to see jay lynch and annie oh it must have been this time I don't know if it like it, it honestly it was probably from the like the those like glee song drops that they used to do. Oh yeah yeah. <laughs> like oh man, Sue is singing little girls. I wonder. Yeah, it's should, should. should we go spend some money and go to New York and see Broadway? Yeah, yes. all right. Yeah, yes we should. And we did. It was great. Um but one of the things that I really enjoyed about this particular scene um is that at the end of it Sue is just like standing over all of the Cheerios like corpses. <laughs> and you know throughout the song she's like bas- like bashing in bathroom doors and is like kids making out and pregnancy tests and doing whatever and I'm just like you know what Sue Sylvester would make an incredible serial killer in like an AU version of Glee mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just yep. like that ending scene of her like standing over all the dead Cheerios like yeah you know what okay mm-hmm. I get it yep I understand she would have some morals about it like she's probably She's killing girls she thinks deserve it. Right. And then uh, Blaine as Nightbird comes to (laughs) (laughs) Do, do, do. Yeah. Yeah, but she's there and she gets approached by Becky Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you know, 
where are you? Come back. And the relationship between Sue and Becky always gets me. Mm. Because for all of the two of their faults and cruelties and just like very self-centric views of the universe, they love each other Mm -hmm. for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. Somebody has to. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Hopefully, I think, I don't know if this gets wrapped up in the next episode because um, Becky complains. Somehow Becky has been insulting Coach Roz who then complains to Principal Figgins about Becky so yeah. that Becky can talk to Principal Figgins. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just going to Principal in, Figgins. And that's what Principal Figgins says to her. Like at the end of the episode, he mm-hmm. like Roz like drags her in. Um and he and he's like, why didn't you just come talk to me? She's like, I didn't remember that at the moment. Yeah, I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think about it at the time. And I'm like, you know what? Same. I've yeah. also done that. Why didn't you do this? Well, at the well, time, I hadn't considered it. It didn't occur to me, uh, but it she it does look like she is going to admit to Principal Figgins that she is the one who brought the gun to the school in uh, Shooting Star. Yep. Which will then precipitate um, Sue Sylvester coming back. Yep. Finally, end, end that storyline. Not that Coach Roz isn't fun, but we do love Sue Sylvester. Uh, so we do have our New York storylines. Ah, uh, New York. Santana, the, the, the city of stories, but Santana. I I have a note, and it just says, "God, I miss Santana." I know, me too. Uh, I love her bringing it home that ugly ass chair because if you've never lived in New York City, um, <laughs> yeah, you just bring stuff home off the street because oh, what the issue here is that she brought home a beat up chair, and what really happens is rich people throw out their furniture. So you actually end up bringing home some nice stuff. True story. Um, I think, though, the part of it that just really screamed New York to me was that Santana knew that she had brought home an upholstered item and not a non-upholstered item. Yes. Um, and so before she sits down on the chair, she throws a blanket on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because <laughs> she knows. She, she knows. knows what she's done. You gotta you gotta clean that off first. You, you do. You have to you have to clean it off because there's gonna be schmutz. There's gonna Ugh. be bugs got, and yeah other got some stuff on it you gotta give that a wipe or two yeah. but like dumpster and it's not even dumpster diving it's just seeing stuff on the street corner and you're like yeah, yeah all right i'll take that home curb alert if you can pick it up yeah if it's you can yours get it home, like it's yours i don't know if this is the same in other cities it's gotta be but like curb curb shopping in new york city is fabulous curb shopping in new york city it's i think it's just because it's plentiful yeah it's just yeah. because it's plentiful like, the downside is you don't often have your car with you. Yeah. So oh, yeah. somebody's got to stay with the furniture and someone's got to go get the car. And it's back like the whole call yeah. an Uber. I have. Yeah. I don't know that we ever called an Uber to get for. Uh, mm, we, we have called an Uber to get furniture that we bought off a of Craigslist. We yes. have not gotten furniture that we've seen on the street. No. And that guy in the van was not happy with us when we picked up the table. Oh, he was so unhappy. Even though we told them ahead of time we were getting a table and chairs. We literally wrote it in the in the description. Yeah, we were like, like pick it. We ordered an, an extra large. Like, we specifically asked for a van. A big one. And we were like, we are picking up a table and chairs. And then he showed up and he was like, we're, you're moving something? Like, yeah, yes. obviously. 
and he didn't want scratches. Like, no, we get that. That's why we asked for a big van and said we're moving a table. Yeah. As opposed Duh. to some like very fancy, you know, yeah. luxurious car. It's like, no, I, I I wanted I wanted a big beat up pickup truck because yeah. we gotta move this table. I don't want you to show up in a Mercedes. Obviously. I really don't. No, I do not. That's the downside of Ubers. You can't ask for a beat up pickup truck. No. Which they should really let you do. Yeah. Uh, dear Uber. Dear <laughs> at Uber. At Uber, we have a um what are they called? A uh an idea? Well <laughs> what's an idea called? Um a little a collaboration pitch. idea. Oh yes. Pitch. A pitch. We got a collab idea. We got a collab. We got a collab. Uh, but yes, we are moving our way swiftly to New York City and the best woman in New York City who is 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 not Rachel Berry. Yes. It is Isabel uh, Wright. Well, I mean, we still got Santana, though. because Who is in line worst, for second best woman in New York City. The worst part of this, though, is that Kurt and Rachel are, like, trying to stage an intervention with her because they think she's lowering her li- throwing her life away because she's working at, like, a Coyote Ugly bar and what is, she, is a 19? bouncer. She's, like, 19, yeah. <sighs> Which I don't think you can do. Um, and she's a bouncer at a lesbian beer garden. Heck, yeah. And a cage dancer. And a cage dancer. So that means she's bringing in money to this fucking apartment. She's got three jobs. These two critters have no jobs. And like she admits straight up that she is taking her time to figure things out. She doesn't know if she wants to do Broadway. She doesn't know what she wants to do, which is perfectly acceptable for people in their early teens or late teens, early 20s. And actually, it's perfectly acceptable in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s. You don't have to know what you fucking want to do. You no. can change what you want to do. Correct. You can get your college degree and then decide after the fact that you don't want to do that thing. Yeah. You do not need to listen to Glee, who's been like, I want to be a star since you were 11. Fuck that noise. I hate that about this show, where it's like, you have to follow your dream your entire life. No, you don't. You don't have to have a dream. You don't need it. Doesn't no. matter. You can decide later what you want to do and it doesn't have to be the thing that you wanted when you were six yeah and it's gonna change and it's gonna change and that's and it should and it it should and it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay it will rachel berry is not a better person because she's always wanted to be a broadway star just fyi she is true facts she is not a better person because she was able to figure out her life's calling yeah as a toddler, like that does not make her morally superior, nor no. does it make, you know, Santana morally inferior. They're just both morally neutral. Yeah. There's nothing better about it. So for her friends to be like, you need to figure shit out, like, she is. Leave her alone. Yeah. yeah. And She's do you know how I know me. that she is? Is because she is juggling three part time jobs. Yeah. That's incredible. She, She's paying rent. She's good. Yeah, she's she's paying rent while trying to figure out what she likes and doesn't like. Mm-hmm. That's one of the like big life advice things that just make me so angry. They're like, find out what you love. And I'm like, I don't I don't love a lot of things. Yeah. The easier way to do it, and frankly, the way that's worked best for me and for a lot of people I know, is find out what you hate. Yeah. Find totally. out like like do a thing and you're like, eh, I'm not really feeling this. Or mm-hmm. do a thing and you're like, oh, uh-uh, uh-uh, hard pass, hard pass. Yes. And then you start to find some stuff that you're like, okay, this is neutral. Mm-hmm. This is cool. Like, all right, yeah. whatever. And then it just helps you kind of narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm real, real bad outside in the heat. So construction <laughs> is not for me. Hello. <laughs> um, 
Like I I just I know that about myself and I don't enjoy being out in the heat and so being a construction worker is not for me. Um but I don't have to be a construction worker to think just in case you're going to love it. Like no. I might mm-hmm. feel morally neutral about it if I get to do it inside or in nice mm-hmm. weather, but that's not that's not in the job. <laughs> yep. Um like I am real, real clumsy. So surgeon, probably not for me. <laughs> um, I've been dropping I hate stuff. Math. I just, you know, I've been dropping stuff and I really don't want to drop anything inside of an open person. So surgeon, not gonna be for me. Um yeah. for many, many years in my like high school times, I wanted to be a nurse. Mm. Um, because I love caring for people and I thought it was incredibly interesting and I volunteered at the hospital and it was super, super cool. And in college, two things happened kind of at the same time. Um, the first was that I could not pass AMP one. AMP. Uh, anatomy and physiology one. Because oh. there's AMP one and AMP two. And in AMP mm-hmm. two, you get to learn about all the organs and all their systems, and that stuff was fascinating. In AMP mm-hmm. one, you have to learn about like the brain and the cells and the stem and kind of how all the the pieces, all the Legos kind of come together to build the systems. Mm-hmm. And I could not pass. I took it the first time. I failed capital F. I took it the second time. I doubled my score. But when you go from a 30 to a 60, that's still a D minus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I was so defeated. Um, on the same hand, or just a different finger, uh, it was around this time where I also became incredibly squeamish. Mm. Um, I lost okay. my stomach for it. Um, yep. I've gained some of it back, but at the time I just lost my complete stomach for it. And so I was sitting just adrift. Yep. Um, yep. And I was like, what the hell do I do? And I went to an academic advisor and I was like, what do I do? And she's like, well, is there anything that you like? Not love, just like. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's going to get you through the next two years of school? I was like, really? She's like, it doesn't have to be for forever. You just got to get through school. I was like, oh, okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So your girl has a bachelor's degree in Spanish because it got me through school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, take your time. Learn. It's okay. Yeah. Which is the advice that Isabel gives her. Yes. So Isabel g- finally gives her this advice, which is like, baby steps are okay when it comes to finding out what you want to do. And kind of piggybacking off what you were talking about is that you don't have, like, your career does not have to be your passion which I think a lot of people have said before is that your career can be a thing that you're like pretty good at and you're kind of like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And that your passion can be your hobby that you're not monetizing. Yeah. You don't, my, my current career is not my passion and that's fine. Cause it pays my bills. And we like paying bills like Santana. We like paying bills like Santana. Would she like her career to be her passion? Maybe. It might be interesting if in Glee, some of these kids, like, went into accounting eventually, right? Like, they realized, like, you know what? I'm actually pretty fucking good at math. Yeah. Uh, I love to sing, and I do that on the weekends. But uh, I make a good living as an accountant. Yeah. I'm an accountant in the week. I I sing in a barbershop quartet on the weekends. Like, live the the dream. Living that life and uh, make a good living. And I do a lot of fucking karaoke. And that's fine. I'm happy. But that's that's not what a show about. <laughs> no, it's not what a uh, a Fox TV show is going to be about. It's like my life is fine. That's what The Office is about. My yeah, exactly. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, 
But this is, I think this is actually the last appearance of Isabel Wright. So she does, she does make it a good one, which I appreciate. She does. Um, it, it does open with the single most frustrating phone call in the history of Glee. And that includes some of the Curtin Blaine phone calls. Indeed. And, and that is because she is talking to someone named Darren um, about a gift bag. And she says, thanks, Darren. You're at my table, seated next to Christopher. So be nice. And she says this while glancing at Kurt. And then Kurt's like, Darren? And Isabel says, Aronofsky, Christopher Nolan. And that's the end of that conversation. It is just the beginning of that conversation, ma'am. <laughs> Why? Why did this happen? And you have to understand the context of this within the fandom. Or yeah. you don't. You can leave this conversation as is and walk the fuck away from it. And that's fine for you. Yep. If you want to be like, oh, she was talking about the celebrities, Darren Aronofsky and Christopher Nolan, being at a gala sitting next to each other and maybe these two directors don't like each other fine you can take that and you can walk the fuck away with it and that is okay for you but for a lot of the fandom contextually in 2013 this was fucking weird for a lot of us it was a glee is not a documentary moment yes and that is because of rpf shipping of chris colfer and darren Chris. Yeah, I believe and we in need my to notes. get into all of it, but like, what? I believe in my notes, it is, hold on. It's in here. Hold on. Very, very sorry, my good dudes. Edit for clarity. Edit for clarity. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. Wait, we can't do that. It'll be copywritten. Baron's at Carrie Bradshaw's table. <laughs> I called her all. I, I called her all three names in my notes. Darren's at Carrie Bradshaw's table. Needs to be next to Christopher. God, this was a Chris Colfer episode. Yeah, like this is infuriating. So again, Ryan Murphy wrote this. Ryan Murphy absolutely knew what was going on in the fandom with Chris and Darren and Chris Colfer and all of the RPF shipping that was happening. It was not a secret. It was in the zeitgeist. Um, I don't remember when the Jesse Tyler Ferguson tweet happened. I wonder if we should Google that really quick. The Jesse Tyler Ferguson tweet happened. Yeah, same time. February 5th, 2013. Mm-hmm. So this all happened. Well, this episode would have been written before that because this episode aired April 20. What did I say? It aired. <laughs> this episode premiered April 25th, which meant it was written and filmed probably half a year before that but that means chris golfer was happening in the zeitgeist and then this tweet happened in february remind me and the viewers what this tweet is oh (laughs) okay it's been been some time so this tweet uh (laughs) not to rehash things that occurred so many moons ago this tweet is that back when chris and darren spoke to each other publicly Chris tweeted, happy birthday, mister, to Darren on his birthday in 2013. And Jesse Tyler Ferguson put, he he responded to this tweet for some fucking reason by uh, mentioning Darren by his username with the period in front of it, which meant that all of Darren's followers would see it too. So, you know, you put the period and then someone's URL that puts your tweet in front of all of that person's followers first so it says period 
at Darren Chris, I'll say what at Chris Colfer won't. Happy birthday to my sweet, attentive lover. Ah, uh, yes. <sighs> Why? Nobody knows. Chris Colfer then replied, Jesse Tyler, you're on my list, Ferguson. <laughs> why Yet this again, happened? Just why? We we don't know. It obviously incited, well, for some of us, a lot of fun. Because yeah. like <laughs> fun. Um now for anti-shippers, it was insanity. Um, because some people don't know how to have any fucking fun in their lives and can only see certain things um, and enjoy nothing in their lives, especially when it comes to RPF, because anti-shippers are actually the worst people on the planet. So all of this is kind of like happening in the fandom. And then this conversation happens in this episode for like no reason. It has no plot. There are other names that they could use. There are other directors of note. Why why include this? Why have Kurt being like, Darren? And, and, uh, yeah, Kurt doesn't know any Darrens. Kurt doesn't know any Darrens. Why? 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 It, it, it's such a question that's never been answered. There have never been any like real glee behind the scenes. There have never been any like any real things that have come out because they hate us. There's no bloopers. Yeah, it just kind of went around the fandom being like, what? is this why did they write this why did this happen um and we don't know we don't know and uh you know i'll die thinking about this which is a judgment i make on myself as well i mean i know that that's wrong and that's fine by me and this episode decided to remind you of being in 2013 all over again it really did it really kind of like shot me back to that place of watching this going did she just did she just say chris and darren did she did they Hold on. Do they I, let me rewind I, I, my TiVo? Like, yeah, I feel <laughs> like I remember this was definitely an episode and a and a moment where I was watching it and immediately was was ten years younger mm-hmm. and immediately got like the weird butterflies. Like, what is happening? What is Tumblr? Tell me what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Did, did anyone else hear that? Everyone heard that, right? Everyone, everyone else everyone hear that? that? Like, is that real? That's <laughs> real, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. all of us just like Glee is not a documentary. There had to be a reason, right? And I think it's just trolling. I think it's straight trolling. I agree. I think it is just why. straight trolling. And it's it always disappoints me when they feel the need to troll their fan base. Like, do you not know where your money comes from? Like, <laughs> do you not fun. do you not understand that like the more yeah. fun you make of your audience, the less inclined they are to like participate with your product in ways that make you money? Right. Yeah, totally. I uh, I'm, I mean, maybe there's enough fans that hate themselves enough that they'll just keep doing it anyway. I mean, in part, this is why I stopped watching Glee for like the sixth season. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be treated like I suck as a viewer. And right? by, that, like, by that time, which is going to be just a, a pip when I go back, when, you, when y'all do the episodes and rewatch them, um, by that time, most of my dashboard Tumblr vocab here uh, had also tuned out of Glee. These were all people mm. who I had, you know, started following in seasons two and three and four. Who, you know, I would watch the episode through their eyes, you know, mm-hmm. just like all the reblogs. And by the time we got into seasons like five and six, like I hadn't seen any of it mm-hmm. because they weren't reblogging any of it. They weren't making song totally. covers anymore. They weren't making gift sets anymore. They just like were so tapped out. 
I have to understand that there are characters that are like that play like a big role in season six who I've just never met before. Yeah, there's a whole I mean, I obviously haven't watched it. So I'm it's hard to complain about season six without having having yeah I've, I've never i've never seen it. it i can't i can't pass judgment on it i've never seen it i'll pass judgment on it it sucks i don't know <laughs> i just assume it sucks because it's six season of glee but again i i mean i have heard that some of the new newbies are not so bad but i think it is still that feeling of do you even like your viewers yeah do you because it doesn't feel like you do <laughs> And that just as a as a consumer of media, that just always hurts. It just mm-hmm. sucks. It does suck. It just sucks. Like you know, and the things that we've learned in the last ten years, right? Because this came out in twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. so we're looking at it now. And this is a this is a podcast about Glee, and some beautiful poor unlucky soul is going to see this and go, "Oh, hey, I should re- I should rewatch that." should you (laughs) watch the first three seasons at least it's fine um and you know that gets that gets the conversation moving again Mm -hmm. fans will make unlimited free content if you let them yes and if you're nice to them about it if you like give them a reason to interface with your product they will they will be your marketing department they will teen wolf did this uh, back in Tumblr days, there was a Teen Wolf Tumblr mm-hmm. who reblogged yep. fan stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yep. you could, you you can do this, but if you just treat, if you like, if you think that poking fun at your viewers over and over and over again until like the school bully they decide to punch you in the face and walk away, mm-hmm. like it just it leaves a sour taste in your mouth, and I wish it didn't. Absolutely. And there's definitely some shows that do it well and some actors and performers and content creators and musicians and et cetera, and et cetera, who um, seem to have found a really great balance between uh, connecting with fans and maintaining space and personal lives and distance and et cetera, and others who do not understand it at all. Absolutely. And I'm always very curious about how that develops and like, is it the personalities of the people involved? Is it a studio? Is it what is it? How does know. that happen? I have absolutely no idea. Like the creators and the people involved with Our Flag Means Death, totally get it. They understand that the fandom builds the momentum of the show better than any paid media. Yeah. But other shows are like, fuck them kids. <laughs> yeah. I don't need them. Like, I don't need you. I just need Twitter ads. Like, do no, you? Do you? <laughs> do you? <laughs> not how that works it's not it, it's not it's how it works <laughs> anyway but in in new york there's isabel, a gala there's a gala and isabel asks kurt to be the talent wrangler is it not weird to you that like the highlight of new york society in glee world is the new york city ballet gala it's just the met gala but with dancing i guess it's the ballet gala like sweetie no one gives a fuck about ballet but all right Mostly because um, they can't sing at the ballet with the Met Gala. <laughs> at the Met. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Isabel asks Kurt to uh, to be a celebrity wrangler because her other one canceled. Um, I was very happy to see Kurt back at Vogue.com, even though if this was a real internship and he had been missing so many of his shifts, he would have been canned. Yeah. But that's, uh, but it's Glee. But it's Glee. 
yeah i uh you know i love the storyline of kurt and isabel so i'm I'll, I'll take a little uh inconsistency for for this even though i don't want inconsistency in other storylines i'll take it in this one because i like it, it so much right yeah but this is uh, also an opportunity for both kurt and rachel to say how much they love ballet yay ballet which we did know about rachel actually yeah, i think that i think that tracks I didn't like Isabel saying that everyone wanted to be a ballerina when they were little because like, no. Yeah, but I feel like if you were to go around like Vogue, (laughs) I'd be like, what is (laughs) Vogue.com? Yes, around Vogue.com and ask the staff there like, what was your first thing you ever wanted to be? I bet you like a non-insignificant amount of mermaid. (laughs) Yes. But like a a statistically significant amount of people would probably say some form of ballerina or dancer. Mm -hmm. Um, She's talking to her target audience, her target demo. And I can't fault her for that. Did you want to be a ballet dancer, a ballerina? Probably. I never saw ballet, but it was fun. I, I, I have some sort of very adorable picture of me as a youth uh in like a cheerleading camp Mm. so i did i did enjoy the like dancing and performing part of it but i didn't get back into dance until college when i did ballroom ballroom it won't surprise you that i did not like performing that does not surprise me at all in fact no i did gymnastics as a kid until i got uh a developed enough brain where i was like this seems dangerous (laughs) it is and it's fun and they were like, you know, you have you have to run at the pommel horse. And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. And they're like, well, then you can't progress. And I was like, that's fine. I'm going to start swimming instead. Yes. Also dangerous. Just I don't have to run at stuff. I just don't have to run at solid objects. And I was a chubby little kid. And they were like, going to have to be skinnier. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen with this body. But I think we, so as a little, little tyke gymnast, they gave us, uh, I want to say, one or two ballet classes mm-hmm. because of, like, the footwork and the flexibility right. as, like, a little test to see how flexible you were. And I was weirdly flexible. <laughs> but it was never, like, a dance class because, right. ew. <laughs> Not this but kid. Not this kid. Well, they Kurt does manage to convince uh, Rachel and Santana to assist him with talent wrangling um and uh, so they can wear pretty dresses so they can wear pretty dresses from the vogue.com vault and then we learn that santana also used to be a little baby ballerina yes where she felt safe where she felt safe and you know what i just i wanted to just hug her it's like yes you do you feel safe you're okay you are good and smart and talented and you got this I know. I like little little Santana. I do. I have such soft feelings in my heart for little Santana. Poor kid. Uh, but then we get my favorite song of the episode at the ballet. Yes, it is a good one. And it includes Isabel. It does include Isabel, which I love. Um, I really appreciated how much of this song was about the vocals. Mm-hmm. Because I hadn't really thought about it. Because, you know, season one, season two, so much of Glee is about just the vocals. So much of it is just them, like, busting into song in the middle of things. Um, But as I was listening to the music kind of later in seasons four and five and six, so much of it is auto-tune and so much is the synthesizer. And it's just like, 
hold on a second. Hold mm-hmm. on. Hold on. Wait. No, no, no. These these people can sing for the most part. Um, yes. Yeah. For the Absolutely. most part, they know how to do the thing. Um, so let them do the thing. You don't need to auto-tune them. You don't need to synthesize over them. Just let them sing. Yeah. And like the quality really changed between the season three and season four of what the song yeah. sounded like. Yeah, for sure. And the song absolutely sounded more early seasons. It did, which is one of the reasons it's one of my favorites. It's on, you know, all former Glee kids have their I don't hate Glee, I promise playlist. <laughs> um, and this one is on mine. Yeah, and they uh, they have the little speaking interstitials still yeah. left in it. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker is an, a nice singer. She's not obviously the same as uh, a Santana and a Rachel and a Kurt, but it's nice to hear her when yeah. she's not luring children to her deaths as a witch. Indeed. And uh, she was the, she's on Broadway. She opened the revival of Once Upon a Mattress. Oh, yes. As Princess Winifred. Winnie. <laughs> Fred. But yeah, no, it's just good to see these these McKinley kids kind of out and together. I love them as a trio. And it's always nice to see Isabel. I think, yeah, unfortunately, I think this is her last appearance, which is stupid because Kurt should be working his way up through Vogue.com. Yes. And not worrying about Broadway because honestly, fashion is more up his alley. That's more up his alley. He's He's a director who can sing, a fashion director who can sing, not a mm-hmm. Broadway star who likes fashion. Exactly. But who are we to tell him what his passions are other than the people who are correct? <laughs> other than non-fictional people who don't exist in his universe. Very sorry. Exactly. So sorry, Kurt. So sorry, Mr. Hummel. I don't know. It's a good storyline. I like it. Other than the, the end song of the episode is the longest time because uh, Mr. Shu has, I don't know, suddenly had a, an insight about the power of singing acapella. <laughs> Do not disrespect the name of the Acafellas, okay, Mr. (laughs) William Schuster? That's what's so stupid is he's suddenly like, oh, you know what? The power of our voices. Like, yeah, I know you, idiot. Yeah, remember when you did that whole thing on Acapellas in like very early season one? Remember, do do you not remember the Acafellas? Because I sure do. He does not remember the Acafellas. No, he's a fucking idiot. Um, But they do (laughs) sing one of my favorite just song songs, which is The Longest Time. Yeah. It's mine too. I have a lot of warm fight high school memories wrapped up in that song. It's an it's an excellent song. It very much sounds like a song that a Glee Club would perform. Yes, absolutely. Like these kids should all know how to sing that song. They should all know how to do the harmonies in it. They should all know how to keep on beat. They this is a song that they should know. Mm-hmm. This should be in their songbook. This definitely just looks like a a performance that they could pull out at any time. Absolutely. Uh, Artie actually gets like the first solo in this performance. No, no notes on the song other than Blaine is dressed like an idiot. Deep sigh. You're not wrong. Uh, so sorry. I hate Blaine's clothing from this season on. So, you know. Yeah. Meep. Although I think I would take the clothing if they would stop putting so much gel in his hair. His hair didn't even move during no. the call on me scene. Like <laughs> he was doing full body thrusts. And it and just didn't move at all. It didn't eat me. <sighs> <laughs> I'm glad to know that you still have feelings about this. I'm going to die angry. Die mad about it. Like, okay. 
Yeah. Do I mad about it? Like, I will. I plan to. (laughs) I was going to anyway. Don't tell me what to do. But all in all, a very enjoyable episode of Glee. Which is interesting because, you know, I'll bring up reviews and the uh, AV club gave this a C (laughs) minus. Like, well, all right. I get it. That's fair. Like I I had the writer thing. I had such like big sister instincts when I was when I was writing this because my my fella came out about like a third of the way um, into the episode. And I'm like, this show is terrible. It's so bad. It's worse than I remember it. And by the end of the episode, I was like, it's terrible. And no one could talk crap about it but me. That That is often how I feel when I see tweets about Glee that I'm looking to like reblog for the podcast. I'm like, hey, 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 I'll say that shit about this show, not you. You don't get to say that. <laughs> it's like, it's just my sad little sibling. Just like, no, nobody gets to pick on them but me. Um, Vulture.com gave this one star out of five. Yikes. <laughs> A lot of it had to do with um, the writer storyline and how the Glee Club reacted to writers' um, secret. Um, and they're not wrong. Not wrong. And I was like, you know what? Yes. And the, there's a quote in there and it says, like, this was the point at which I wondered whether the storyline was playing out on everyone's television or if the show had found a way to personally punk me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it, yeah, you're right. Uh, and they do call out that the Annie number for Sue was a cross promotion. Yeah. It's like, no, you're right. It is It is funny when sometimes you enjoy parts of an episode, even when they are objectively not good. Yeah. Was it good television? Not really. Did I enjoy mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. And other times when an episode is really good and you're like, yeah, but I was like kind of bored. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I understand that this is a well-constructed episode of television. It's just I didn't enjoy it. There are a couple bits of trivia that I think are kind of interesting. There are a number of deleted scenes in this episode. Um, Mm. Yes. One of which is Blaine dressed up as Nightbird investigating Sue's office. (laughs) Outstanding. Um, And then there is an interview that really seems to only exist on Tumblr at this point of the guy in the orange shirt. And it apparently there's a a deleted scene of Blaine being disappointed that he he realizes that the guy is not flirting with him during the scene. He's flirting with the girl behind him. Oh, bummer. Like, sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. You should be waiting for Kurt. (laughs) So deal with it. Um, and then there's some other cut scenes and re-edited scenes because of Cory Monteith. Gotcha. Oh, and this episode was also submitted for Sarah Jessica Parker for the 2013 Emmys. Nice. Uh, I think that's kind of the most interesting trivia for this episode. Uh, do you have a favorite song that you would like to reiterate? Uh, my favorite song for this episode is At the Ballet. At the Ballet. Yeah, that's probably mine. It's either that or just the song call on me as it as it plays over the scene. <laughs> uh, but if I have to pick one from the episode, it's either at the ballet or you've lost that love and feeling. Or uh, no, the longest time, the longest time, maybe the longest time. Hmm. I feel like the longest time really should have been a warbler song. Yes, I agree. Do you have a favorite line that stood out? Oh goodness. Um, other than 
Okay, so I'm I got I got a couple, and I'm really sorry about it. Um, oh sure. <laughs> hashtag sorry, not sorry. Uh, of course, the opening. Do I need to get a restraining order from Kitty? Which was iconic. Um, Sue ninety X trademark pending. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then my 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 two. So there's the the heartbreak one, which is at the end of the episode where Santana is having those little flashbacks to her as a little kiddo in the ballet class. And the little mm. kiddo her goes, don't forget me again. And yeah. Santana looks at her and goes, I won't. I've got you. I promise. And I started to cry. Tears down my face. That was a good one. Um, but I think my favorite is Kitty when he when she's got like as – so hold on. I'm going to rewind and then we're going to get there. Um, there is a podcast that B and I both listen to called Game of Roses. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have a lexicon of a bunch of like words and stuff that – mean certain things and i have a note in here what kitty does on her like not date with writer at breadsticks mm-hmm. is a parallel play it's parallel ptc it's like this thing happened to you and this thing happened to me uh mm. so all, all of that kind of goes through my notes um but as kitty is describing her kind of the wall she puts up mm-hmm. uh she t- she says uh I didn't come here to talk about the razor sharp barbs guarding my cervix. <laughs> That's right. And I just, I was like, I don't, okay. <laughs> I had to like put it together because it was like such a drop in. But I thought that that was just an excellent, very Santana-esque line that I adore. Yep. It was good. It was good. Because uh, what was that? She said something else that went with it. But yeah, that was good. That felt... I felt old fashioned too. For it me. did. It was very like Santana at breadsticks. I I loved it. I forgot about that. That was a good one. Yeah, Adriana, my sweet love, you don't have to include any of that gore stuff. I <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said it out loud, and I'm really really sorry. No, she does. She has to leave it in. <laughs> this episode is already like an hour and a half long. She oh, has to leave God. everything in. So I'm sorry. so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Are we though? Not really. Not really. What, what about I? you? I hmm. I think I. Th- I think it's just the Isabel Wright phone call. <laughs> just the you're, whole, thanks, Darren. <laughs> you're sitting next to Christopher, so be nice. Like, so be nice. Yeah. Well, and what do they have to be nice about? Why? 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 Do they have a famous Hollywood feud that I've missed? Have you? <laughs> exactly. Are they mad at each other? Have you seen? Do you, do you know anything about Hot Ones? The Yes. The, okay. John Mulaney's seen, on, the, on the latest one. You should watch it. I already did. Excellent. But have you seen the clip of Jennifer Lawrence on it yet? No. Where okay, there's just a meme now of her. So when um the host is shaking the de bomb or the Yeah, the bomb. The, the last no, the last drop, the last The last one, dab. The last dab. And he's he goes to shake the bottle and she's like crying already from the previous hot sauce and she just goes, "What do you mean? What do you what do you mean?" And it's a whole meme of her just like half crying from the hot sauce <laughs> and just going, "What what do you mean?" <laughs> That's that, me that's about this phone call. What, what, what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> as as someone who's just casually shaking a bottle of hot sauce staring at me. What do you mean? What do you mean? That's what's happening to me during this. Oh. And it'll never be solved unless no. I can talk to Ryan Murphy one day. And or Jesse Larry Ferguson. At Ryan Murphy. What do you mean? <laughs> just send him that gift just over and over and over and over. What do you, just this just the scene. What do you mean? What I know do you it's mean? 10 years later. What do you mean? So since this episode is already this long, let's finish it out. Uh, so sorry. What else do we do? Oh, um, uh, oh, Jesus, I can't think of anything. 
the pain decks, the clean, the clean, clean pain decks, clean decks. One, one to ten. How painful was this episode? I it, mean, it wasn't just because, just because Blaine was like, I fucking someone like maybe a two. Yes, I guess. Not really? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't hurt me. No, not really. So I'm going to give it a one. Okay. That seems fair. Um, we have the Kevin McScale. Ah, oh, I'm so excited that you renamed it the Kevin McScale. <laughs> I was I real just, proud of that. It took us too long to get there. <laughs> um, so before his <laughs> I need my synth face <laughs> to piano for yep. his horrible hot take on writer's traumatic experience mm-hmm. and for getting some actual singing time i'm gonna give him a two out of five <laughs> great he didn't really have a plot line but he was on camera he was on so maybe like a two and a half because that's like more than he's had in a number of episodes yeah he he got some airtime today yes okay i'll take it uh and then finally what's that thing you like in that ep- in this episode Ah, oh, that thing I like. I love. Just at, our, I love yeah. at the ballet. Like it's okay. on my. I don't hate Glee pod. Like like my little playlist. I mm-hmm. really enjoy just the whole vibe of that scene. Um, I loved the two time throwback straight into 2013 fandom with Blaine in the little shorts mm-hmm. and the uh, Darren Christopher be nice phone call. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. That that gave me a lot of warm fuzzies, um, and uh, just so much about Sue Sylvester being a self-made woman. Excellent. Honestly, mine is just the whole call on me scene. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's 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 what's um that yeah. I almost just rewound it and rewatched it, but I wanted, I needed to get through the, the episode or I would have just been on it the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. It would have just been back and forth, back and forth on that scene. So I had to, I had to go through, but I might uh, YouTube it later. Yeah. As you should. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Go back into Tumblr and just reblog it. I really should just be yeah. like out of nowhere just to be like, <laughs> today Glee. we're going to have, today we're going to have a Glee day on the, uh, on the old Tumblr. People are gonna be like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, don't don't ask questions. Just watch. Just enjoy. Just enjoy. Welcome to Glee 2013. <laughs> if anyone wants to feel old, this was ten years ago. Yep. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's everything we got, and probably all the time anyone wants to spend on it. Yes. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find the pod on social at Fandom on the Rocks. And you can also support the pod at patreon.com slash fandom on the rocks, or you can subscribe to our bonus content on Spotify and listen to us talk about all sorts of things for even longer. Uh, and that is what you missed <laughs> on Glee. You've been listening to Glee on the Rocks, a fandom on the rocks podcast. A huge thank you to our sound editor, Adriana. For more episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and anywhere else on the internet at Fandom on the Rocks. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash fandom on the rocks. Subscribers get ad-free content, exclusive bonus episodes, deep diving into Glee, our favorite fandoms, random updates, and so much more. So until next time, that's what you missed on Glee.